Hi, Stan. Hey, Marshall. How you doing? Good. Here Welcome we are. back to my studio. Yep. Ready to go? Fully clothed? Kind of. How do you mean? <laughs> you requested that I come in partially nude. We were not going to say anything about that. <laughs> Actually, we were. <laughs> it's in our notes. <laughs> no. No. Yes. No. You told me I have to be no. barefoot. I didn't tell you any such thing. Well, then why are you wearing we whatever were, that is? We were, we were not going to say anything about this. Oh, was, we weren't. No. We oh, were, this was, was just going to be... Are you sure? Yes, I have, I'm sure. I have a complaint. I know it. No, I have a complaint Go about... Ahead. You said you're going to wear boots. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not wearing boots. Well, no, these, these aren't boots. I don't know. Maybe they're technically know. called boots. You should be wearing knee-high boots. Yeah. When you said, Stan, you go barefoot, I'll wear boots. I wasn't imagining that. Yeah. I was imagining boots like, like the boots that are meant for walking. You know boots, what I mean? Yeah. And, and <laughs> I know just what these boots will do. Yes. Yeah. Those boots. We have officially begun. Let's just roll the thing and get out of this. And so I'm not taking these flip-flops <laughs> off until you wear boots. How awkward was that intro? Not, not any more awkward than our other one. <laughs> so very awkward. Yeah. Okay, cool. It's our staple. What have you been up to? The usual. Teaching. Teaching. Yeah. Sleeping. Eating. Eating. Reading. Not really. You don't eat. I don't eat much, no. Yeah. yeah. How many meals a day do you have? This is too personal a question. I'm not interested that's in telling you how That's funny how you think that's a personal question. Yeah, I mean, what difference does it make? I, I, I don't know. Are, I, it's the same people, as me asking I, you what I, kind I, of shoes you're wearing. It's I, like, it doesn't matter, but you're still going to answer. I, I want to know when you eat. I want to know what you eat. I want to examine. <laughs> no, no, no. I'll tell you, I have been reading a good book. <laughs> I don't care about your book. <laughs> I know you don't care about it. It's just the, the food thing. Yeah. Okay. I love peanuts and almonds and cashews and pumpkin seeds and wow. raisins and dried fruit and fresh fruit and bananas i eat so a banana every snacks. day I, yeah I, I i healthy snacks oh yeah 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 they're just great they're candy do you ever have a meal yeah i have meals i've never seen it yeah well it was, we haven't really well we, 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 eaten we meals have together. eaten yeah, we've eaten at restaurants we've together eaten Yes, and yeah. you take out a yogurt from your pocket. <laughs> okay, no, not at a yes. restaurant. Not at a restaurant. No, no. But I you usually order a... when we go to restaurants. I usually order salads. I don't remember this. All I remember is I went up to Orange County. We went out for lunch. Yeah. I ordered a sandwich, and you took out a yogurt from your pocket. I had a yogurt with me, and I figured, well, why not? Okay, now look, this people are not tuning into this podcast to learn about Marshall's eating habits. I don't know. I think they're enjoying this. Yeah, sure. Okay. All right, let's get to the real topic. Yeah, so I get to tell you about I'm the book. I'm bummed up. We'll wait, we'll wait about the book. The book. We oh, the book. Who cares? That could be your thing. That's right. You That'll be my thing. All right. Oh, man. So, oh, okay. The topic this week is um, we had a person email us. It's another email type mm -hmm. thing. And we thought it was a, a really good question. So, we're going to make a, an episode on it. Remind me of the it's, question. It's pretty much about, like, is copying cheating, mm. imposter syndrome, that mm. kind of thing. So I'm going to read the question. This one question had both of those things? No, not really, but that's okay. where we're going to go with okay, it. Okay, yeah, let's, let's do it. <laughs> It'll lead to those things. Okay. I have things to say. I'm interested. Okay. You've already read this. Uh, go ahead and read it. Do you remember? Yeah, I do. Okay, cool. Go ahead. Greetings, 
Stan. He but forgot you, about he didn't you. Even, he forgot uh, about you. But he knows I'm here. <laughs> and he mentioned this could be for the podcast. I'm a beginner from CIS, which I think is a group of countries. In like former Soviet Union or something like that. Okay, think, so he's from right? your area. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have a problem with reference images and copying from them. It will be easier to understand if I start with an example. So here it is. I don't have sufficient skill for drawing trees. Actually, almost for everything, but let's take trees for now. I need to paste a tree in my artwork. It's interesting how he uses the word paste. Mm-hmm. So, I Google an image of a tree and draw from this reference. The problem here is that every time I do it, I feel so bad about my art and skill because it looks like I can draw nothing without reference images. Also, it feels like I don't draw my artwork. It feels more like I just copied and my artwork is just a bunch of copies. But I had an idea in my head and I wanted just to recreate it as an artwork. So, I couldn't do it without copying because of low skill. Mm. Who is an artist? <laughs> a guy who does that. good copies? Yeah, he asked that. Of course, I have to copy to learn, I guess. But the feeling that I just copied is so bad. So I think that I am a fake artist. Mm. Is it so? Mm. Do I need to change my approach or what should I do? By the way, as I mentioned, I'm from CIS. You moved from Ukraine in a childhood, but I am 20 year old. I'm a 20 year old adult and I want to become an artist. What should I do? Stay and learn here or move to Europe or USA? Mm -hmm. Now, I think that art is more developed there and so is education. Is it correct or everything depends only on me? Thank you, Best Records. Wow, that's a biggie. That's a big question. There's a lot in there. And he's asking for life advice. Should I move to Europe? Should I move to the yeah, US? I, I mean, I think that there's there's good schools and closer to him than, well, maybe Europe is actually pretty close. But the U.S. is far. You don't have to move to the U.S. Yes, there's and, plenty. And you have got the best teachers in the United States online who are available to you, and more and more so every year. So you've got access yeah. to the education. You have access to the information. Information. Yes. Right. Maybe not the training. Not yet. But that's happening. But it, yeah, it does de depend on him a lot. What do we get to first? What, how do you want to handle this question? His main question was copying photographs. First of all, I don't think that you're a fake because you are good at copying. There's a lot of artists who are artists that all they do is copy photographs. And some people might not like that, but other people do. And who's to say that that's not art? You don't sound like someone who likes that. <laughs> so, it doesn't matter what other people think, you don't like it. And so, you just need to develop the ability to draw from imagination. Or instead of just blatantly copying this one tree, Google many trees and take pieces of it that you like and combine them in ways that you like instead of just copying one single tree. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Come up with your own tree based on what you learned from these other trees. Start, you know, baby steps. You yeah. can literally copy parts of trees, but now you got your own thing. Yeah. As you do this, you'll start using reference less and less because you're, you're learning how to just make things in your head instead of just, just copying literally. Oh, and then after you've created this tree out of many trees, try to draw it again, but not looking at any trees. Yeah. Just draw another yeah. tree out of your head. Yeah. I see two avenues here. One is what you mentioned, that copying to learn. It's good to copy to learn. 
It's good to copy so that you heighten your sensitivity to values. All the stuff we talked about in that first episode. Uh, the, very first. the first episode about photorealism, attempting photorealism. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, that's a part of uh, heightening sensitivity. Uh, but then do you want to do that all along and then just add technique to it? Or do you want to work out of imagination? Yes, you do. So you've answered it, is that you're, you've got a trajectory that is not to continue doing this, but to learn to do it out of imagination. And Stan summed it up. And most of these podcasts, at least half of them, have been aiming in directions of teachers who are going to take that to. Again, I, I keep referring to Andrew Loomis's Fun with a Pencil, because that was the book that teaches you to think like a cartoonist and invent out of imagination. And we've talked about a lot of a lot of the previous episodes have been about that. Now, the vilifying of photo bashing. Yeah. Photo bashing is almost always used as a negative term. Yeah. And there are some issues with photo bashing. If you are taking other people's photos and putting them into your artwork when you do not own the photo and then you are profiting from that, that is a particularly inadvisable thing to do. But we're gonna put that aside and say, what if you shoot your own photos and you hire your own models? This is what you did for all of the anatomy stuff. You built your own uh, uh, skeleton and everything. It took years to do that. So you say, look, yeah. I am gonna be using reference, but this is mine. Yeah. I developed yeah, it. Yeah, I did my paintings that way too. I'd take my own photographs. Yeah. And, you know, Maxfield Parrish was a photo basher and he made a good living and he's got some stature in illustration history. Uh, it's not necessarily a bad thing, though I know some people think that look down on it. I have a colleague who has made a great deal of money working on major motion pictures, the big hundred million dollar ones. And he composites photos and puts together environments and creates moods out of them that are so emotionally evocative that they pay him the big bucks to photo bash. But he's a good photo basher. He's got a good sense of composition and how to arrange light. And sometimes he'll do a night scene and then the same basic line drawing, but he'll turn it into a day scene and change the colors. So it is not necessarily a bad thing to work with photographs. What is it? It's compositing. You're essentially taking something that happened in front of a camera and then you are making the hardest kinds of decisions, which is how to arrange them and light them and color them and how to handle the edges and make it so that they work as compositions, which is related to the word compositing. You're compositing photographs rather than bashing photographs. So yes, let's, let's do that and say that is a legitimate area of composing a picture is to use photographs to do it. Now. Absolutely. What else about it? Um, a little side trip. There, another common question I get that's very similar to this is tracing. It's a similar because people are, are considered as like cheating, right? There's certain things that are known as just like, don't do this. It's cheating. Someone's going to find out you're doing this. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, there's no rules other than laws, mm -hmm. like, you know, copyright law. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you, you're not cheating unless you're breaking the rules. And if there's no rule against tracing, then there's no rule to break and there's no cheat. It's not cheating. Now, you could be cheating yourself out of improving faster. 
Because if you're tracing, you're not working on your proportions. You're not developing your eye. But it's not cheating like someone's going to call you out and say, ha, gotcha. Now you you, you are, must quit. You are in. You're not an artist you're anymore. toward jail, court, <laughs> yeah, court time a kid. You're out of yeah. here. Your artist card is revoked. <laughs> yeah. But there's no such thing. But yeah, don't do it. I mean, it's just a bad idea if you're a student trying to get better at proportions and your way to do that is to trace. Yeah. It, right? Tracing mm. speeds everything up. Except improvement. Ex good. <laughs> good. Yeah. That's it. So, I, I used to trace and I came up with rules for myself. And I, I thought, okay, I will allow myself to trace on two occasions. Mm -hmm. I can trace my own drawing. Mm -hmm. For example, if I did a sketch and I want to now transfer it to a canvas, I could trace it. I drew that. Mm -hmm. It's not like I have to draw it again just That's because right. to yeah. prove someone I could do it twice. That'd be compulsion. Yeah. Or I allowed myself to trace commissioned portraits if I needed to do it fast. Yeah. Because I know I can draw it by now. I know that if I spend several hours I could measure all out and I could get it accurate and it'll be all there but I hate doing commissioned portraits mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I do not want to spend that yeah. time measuring out my proportions yeah and so I would trace them okay I would and let then, myself do that. And, and then you, you can get it exact that way yeah. it's okay uh, some people I, think that's cheating but I don't give a shit yeah the, the thing about what why you don't trace you don't trace so that you can develop a skill. And when I teach composition, one of the main things people do in a composition training course is they look at a variety of great masters of tenebristic composition. Tenebrism means that you've separated lights and darks in a dramatic enough way to where the light and dark pattern holds the power of the composition. So it's what uh, most of the Renaissance artists and Howard Pyle and C. Wyeth, Frank Brangwen, all that bunch would do. So it's great to learn composition from those because it's easier. And you copy these and maybe put a 10 minute limit, not more than an hour, on something that you work at about the size of, a, of a, a business card, not bigger than a playing card, maybe as small as a postage stamp, and see if you can get that value pattern in there. Now, the, the way that you're going to get good at composition is by understanding that light and dark pattern and what the artist's strategy was with it. But at the same time, if you take the time to do this by hand, you are also developing hand-eye coordination to control the shapes. And some students, in order to get through a class quickly, will put those masters into Photoshop and just put a filter on it that separates the lights and darks extremely, and they learn nothing or almost nothing. They do learn to see the pattern of that masterpiece as exaggeratedly no tan, or turned into three or four tones, which has value, but they gain no hand skills that way. And I remember when I was 18 years old and there was a woman in the community college that I, I uh, went to who she had the ability to look at anything 
any artwork and in a matter of just line like that, line like that, line like that, line like that, divide that thing up and the proportions were right on the money and I couldn't do anything like that, but I worked mm -hmm. on it for a few years until I started to be able to look at it, see it in halves, see it in thirds, yeah. see diagonally where things fit and developed some skill. It was hard earned, but now I could contain that a little bit by doing it over and over and over. Yeah. That's a useful skill to have is to be able to see the proportions. Now, I, I, might, I, I think I might be uh, veering no. us off from where we No, were. I don't think so. The, the idea here is tracing is something you should do all the time to save time, <laughs> but you should also have a time in your training where you don't yes. trace so that you get the skill. And I would trace much less as a student. You could do it more when you're a professional to save time. I know many professionals that project because they they can do they already know they can do it if they don't project there's just speeding it speeding it up because they need to make money so first speeding objective is to get skill yeah a later objective is to get the job done yeah okay now what else um all of these things are related to imposter syndrome how the idea of cheating or that i'm a fake i will be found out because that i'm doing these things it's all it, it all comes from a feeling of inadequacy, self-doubt. Mm -hmm. I mean, that, that's what it is. And yeah. people, even people like you mentioned in the previous episode, Norman Rockwell. Going through imposter feeling. Like yeah. everyone, I think, I mean, everyone has these feelings, right? Like, If a person never had them, they would be a prick. <laughs> they'd, yeah. they'd, they'd be uh, conceited, you yeah. know, if they never doubted that I can do it, there'd be something wrong, I think. Or it's not even the doubt of being able to do it. It's the doubt is like, who am I to be allowed to do this? Yeah, yeah. Um, like, I don't have an art license, <laughs> right? Like, you know, like yeah. an art license. Like no one, no one gave me permission to be an artist. Like, yeah. why should I be able to do this sort of thing? Like, it's like, you don't need permission. And, and just acknowledging that this is a feeling that most people have, I think is, uh, is important. Um, and acknowledging it as a thing is important because once it once you realize these thoughts are happening, you can acknowledge that, oh, okay, this isn't real. This is just coming from fear mm -hmm. and self-doubt and it's not a good thing. And I just, you know, yeah. and you set it aside. Let's, let's flip it around a little bit though and see imposter syndrome as a potentially good thing because it does come from doubt it does come from just enough fear to what if i can't do this mm -hmm. and you know even in this last year i have a student who started studying me with me when she was 16 she was in high school and she went through the junior college classes then went on to concept design academy and then she be, she's become a celebrated concept uh, a character designer for uh, television and she came back to speak to my class this last year well i have another student about maybe 21, 22, is one of the most technically competent students that I've had. And I said, how are you feeling about this during this presentation? And she said, imposter, I have imposter syndrome because she's seeing someone who is so good. I thought of all people to be feeling imposter syndrome, you. And it has been in this last summer that she has her, her skill became just remarkable in this last year. She now made uh, she made her living this summer. Uh, she's really young, and I think that that awareness, I'm not sure if I'm good enough. That self doubt is part of what propels us 
Yeah, it's perfect. Perfectionism is part of that. Yes. It, 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 and also, imposter syndrome is a, can be a stage. Why not have it as a stage? A little bit of doubt and then say, I will, I will drop this feeling when I can do this. And then when you are at that level where you can do this, you may have a surge of confidence. Well, because it can be debilitating. It can prevent you from doing things because you feel like you're not worth it. Yeah, yeah. Even if it's pretty obvious that you are worth it. Yeah. People have the feeling that they sh they're not. So I know many professional artists who are amazing and they still feel like they're not cap capable of doing things. It's, it's really weird. And I see it holding them back quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, so it's the balance between uh, it, some people, courage uh, may not be courage. It may just be stupidity. <laughs> that you just stepped out into the line of fire and didn't yeah. know that there was anything there. But then if that's the case, you start to find out that fear is there for a reason, which is to protect me and to find the balance that I've got to feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah. But in things like drawing and painting, not in war, mm -hmm. it's okay to fake it till you make it. Yeah. You're yeah. not going to get shot in the head, you know? Yeah. You, you just might piss someone off, but a lot of times the people that have imposter syndrome aren't as bad as they think. That's right. And so they actually don't make the mistakes once they try it. Imposter syndrome is awareness that yeah. I might not be good enough. Yeah. It may be over inflamed, but it's there. You know, in, in teaching watercolor, it was a common thing because watercolor can be scary because the color, the, the water in the color is gonna have it do its own thing. And one of the first things that many of the students especially as they get over a certain age. It may be that when you're doing watercolor when you're six or seven years old, you don't have any fear, but when you get older, you're, oh, this, this might do its own thing and be bad. A lot of it is getting past that fear by doing a whole bunch of little watercolors over and over and letting them do what they do. But we had a student, he must have been in his early 20s, who did remarkable little watercolor comps, and they were so effortless, they were so daring. And the students would look at what he did, how did how do you do it? And he said, well, I figure what's the worst that can happen? <laughs> he had it in perspective that you don't need to really worry that much that your 10 or 15 minute watercolor comp. Right. What have you got to lose? Exactly. Okay. I don't so know whether he we're wasn't helping. wasn't worried about getting shot in the head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you did a bad watercolor and it's going to cost you your life. Yep. <laughs> I think the the goal here is to help people um, deal with imposter syndrome because so many people are, are dealing with it. And I think the biggest thing is to acknowledge it and let it happen and be aware of what it actually means when you're feeling that way. Like it doesn't mean that you're not actually good enough. All it means is that you're striving for greatness or you're yeah. striving to be really good um, and you can always be better. And that's a great thing to be, to have big goals, but it doesn't mean that you're not worth it. And if, as long as you remember that this feeling is not based on fact, that it's just a feeling, um, I think you'll be okay. You just have to constantly remind yourself that and take a breath and be like, okay, yeah, I remember. This is a thing that our brains do to us. Yeah. It might help to have somebody in your life also who can tell you whether the imposter syndrome is valid or not. Yeah. 
a mentor, a friend, a teacher. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got four. <laughs> here, here's let's do the four. Do you know the four the the Punnett square, the four categories yeah. of how things go? You can have the person who is confident their work is good and it is. The person who's confident their work is good and it isn't. <laughs> You can have the person who's afraid that their work is bad and they're right. And you can have the person who's afraid that their work is bad and they're wrong. Right. Uh, there's a story from that album, Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd, that Claire Torrey, who did the great gig in the sky, it's at the end of the first side. And it's this emotional, no lyrics to it. It's just kind of wailing singing. Can we get your impersonation of that? No, no, you can't get my impersonation <laughs> of it. Not without preparation. Uh, but she did this performance that everybody knows, if you know that album, it really, really worked. And I think it was Dave Gilmore who said that when she came out of the studio, having done that, when she came out of the microphone booth, she was, uh, she apologized. I think she was kind of shattered of what a horrible performance she did. And they didn't know what she was talking about. But the whole time she was doing it, apparently, there was a demon in her head saying, this sucks. You're not doing it as good as it could be. It's not good. And she poured herself into it anyway. And nobody ever listened to that and thought that there was anything wrong. It was all going on in her internally. Yeah. That's an example of someone who's afraid that it's bad when it wasn't. Yeah. That, that sounds like you, Marshall, after we record these. Yes, literally, you, you are that square. I'm Claire Torrey. Yeah. yeah. You, who are you? Huh? Where do you fit on the Punnett Square? You, do, you, do you have imposter syndrome? Of course. Not as, as bad as some people. It doesn't debilitate me. Yeah. It doesn't prevent me from, from doing things. Mm-hmm. But of course, I have, I have that feeling. Like when I, it's like, who am I to be teaching uh, this anatomy class mm-hmm. when the people before me are Roche and Goldfinger and Bridgman? Yeah. Like, what the hell? Yeah. They knew so much more than I did. Yeah. And yeah, I feel like crap. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to do a good job. Yeah. But, but I'm here you, to tell you. You got to do it anyway. I'm here to tell you that Roche and Goldfinger did not do as good of videos as you do. They didn't make any videos. I know. <laughs> Thank you, Marshall. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Glad I can be a friend. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't help. <laughs> okay, well, let me uh, think for a moment. Let me think okay. for a moment about this Punnett Square thing. Uh, the, well, the Punnett Square, I don't think you're like one of four squares. I think you can be all of them yeah. at, at different times and at different moments. Every three-year-old can sit at the piano and bang around at it and think that that's, I've just made beautiful music. Uh, and then they become, you, do you know the, the, uh, the levels of unconscious incompetence and all of that? Yeah. Zone DeFore. When I, in her interview, I interviewed her, uh, I don't know, when did we release that? A few months ago? Or did we, did we release it? Yeah, yeah we, we did. We, we it, it was a few months ago. We released it. Um, and she told me about it. You, we all start out with unconscious incompetence. That means we don't know how to ride a bicycle. And we don't know that we don't know how to ride a bicycle. I see somebody riding a bicycle, looks easy. The next step is conscious incompetence, which is always connected with pain. Because we're going to find out we suck at it. 
Yeah. Then we work, then training is in between there, and then we reach conscious competence where we have to think about it, but we can do it. That's a grown-up feeling. That's the step out of imposter syndrome. I can do this. I'm a grown-up. And then as we continue to do it, then the skill is assimilated into us, and we are unconsciously competent. And that's where creativity can flourish yeah. because the technical stuff is out of the way. That's when you can juggle 100 balls at the same yeah. time because you're not actually doing it. Your mind's doing it for you subconsciously, yeah. and you're focused only on solving the problem, not on the technical things, yeah. not on the, how do I hold my pencil? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But isn't it a great feeling when you first get conscious competence? Do you, I mean, I'm sure you felt yeah. it where you say, I, I'm a pro, I can do this. There, I don't think you, it's like, again, it's not like you move from one step to the next. It's like in many areas, I'm consciously competent. And then in many areas, I'm unconsciously competent in the basics that I've trained for, for two, two decades now, yeah. I guess. Um, those things I don't think about, but they're the things I am consciously competent in those are things I'm currently focused on. Yeah. And there's things I'm consciously income. Yeah, I'm all for. Well, yeah, 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 of course. Was, Life is always messier than any grid or paradigm we put on it, which is yeah. why we put these paradigms on it, just try to make some sense of it. But I thought that was a really useful one to recognize I'm in this stage, so let me be aware that I'm gonna go out of that stage and into another. And yeah, it is very slippery. But yeah. this is in response to him about the photo bashing and the feel guilty about, I feel guilty yeah. about it, and am I really an artist? Who is an artist? I don't know whether we wandered away from... We what, did, absolutely, yeah. but I think it was worth it. Okay. <laughs> I'll trust you, because I'm experiencing <laughs> imposter syndrome right now. I know you are. You're always <laughs> experiencing... I could tell when you... <laughs> you have this, like, you have this smile, and you're not sure about yourself, and your shoulders are going in. <laughs> <laughs> Glad you, you're a master. How do you feel now, Marshall? I'm, I'm Are you vacillating consciously... between all four corners. Okay. You did great. Hope this was helpful. Helpful? Helpful. Imposter <laughs> <laughs> syndrome. You are can't, a fake. Can't pronounce. You yeah. are a fake. Oh, I feel terrible about it. It's not imposter syndrome. It's pure imposter. Imposter. <laughs> it's happening to you now. Oh, man. Oh, it's we're contagious. Each other, man. It's contagious. We're both fakes. Okay, good. We've lost our host. <laughs> Next question. We've lost our host. Okay. Okay, yeah. So we're we're right. in the now we can do a voicemail. We're in the ripe stages, yes. Let's let's ripe continue. Stages. Yeah, let's let's regroup. We're in our adolescence. Breathe in, breathe out. No, not Self adolescence. Affirmations. What is a, a ripe stage? It's when you're done with adolescence, right? It's when you're you become an adult. You want to take it up or should we go to voicemail? <laughs> it would be like a one word answer, right? Adolescence but, is yeah, not, uh, right? It's like teenage years. This is an aside. <laughs> you I don't want, have should, an answer. We, is Just it okay say I don't on? know. Is it okay to go on an aside right now? Just say I don't know. you can always cut you it out. I don't know. Write an essay about it. Just a stupid question. Give me there, a stupid answer. There was, there was a psychologist who... See? Don't write an essay. Marshall, give me a... Give, just say I don't know or I don't care. I don't know. Don't write an I essay. I do care. I'll take it up another time. Okay. It's something about adolescence, terrible twos, midlife crisis, all that stuff, stages. Wow. Those, okay. Yeah, there's a lot in there. 
but I just opened up the treasure chest so you could get a little glimmer of Ew. what's inside Ew, there. Marshall, <laughs> yeah, disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> voicemail, voicemail, let's All right, it. Let's get it. Take a peek. <laughs> <laughs> the treasure chest. Okay. Okay, I don't need this anymore. No. Let's do voicemail. Hey, Jurassic Podcast, this is Paul. Um, you know, I've been teaching myself to draw for the past couple of years, and I just started uh, the Proco Premium figure drawing course about uh, four or five months ago. Definitely uh, seeing an improvement, but I, I guess the question I want to ask is, at what point do I know that it's time to move to the next level? Um, you know, I... I, I I downloaded the uh, you know, the art model packs, and I follow a lot of the exercises, and it never really seems like the the output of the exercises I'm doing is quite where I'd want them to be in order to move to the next level, so to speak. Imposter syndrome. Um, so how do I know when I'm I'm ready to to push to the next level? Um, thank you. You never know. I got a quick answer. I, yeah, it's when it's too easy. Mm, that's too late. That's too late to move on. If that's what the rule people will 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 follow, they're gonna spend a year on the my bean exercise. <laughs> How do you yeah. mean? I, well, for well, he's going through the figure course, yeah. right? So you start with gesture, then you move on to the bean. Mm -hmm. Actually, yeah, people people would just keep doing gesture for years. It's when is gesture easy? After many, many years, okay, right? So it's going to take them several years to go through my figure drawing course? I don't know. I don't think so. I think you need to go through the whole thing, even when gesture isn't easy yet. You need to introduce yourself to the bean and the row bean, mannequinization, balance, all that stuff, and then go back and do it again and keep doing all those exercises. The figure course, even or the anatomy course, most of the courses we're going to do are not meant to just be like, okay, you, you do this lesson and now you're a master at gesture. Not meant to be like that. Art, I mean, that's kind of the issue with the way colleges try to teach art is that it's like you take a course once and you're done with it and then you don't do it again. Mm -hmm. But with the atelier system or with, you know, with good art schools like in St. Petersburg, they just do the same thing for four years. Mm-hmm. Because that's what it takes. But you're focusing on many different things while you're doing the same thing. And, and, you, and you have a mentor there who's gradually easing you, uh, sure. prodding you forward. Yes, they do. But I mean, it, it, the same thing applies when you're doing it at home on your own. You're, you're not just going to do gesture for like a month and then never do it again. You're going to be doing gesture for the next 20 years. I mean, for the rest of your life, you should. You should just constantly be practicing gesture. It, I mean, it's like it's a two minute sketch. It's like, it, you know, if you're doing like a, a concept for an illustration, you might start with a really quick gesture of the pose you're thinking about. And there you go. That's your gesture. You're mm -hmm. always doing that. Here's something that uh, goes back to the thing about when it gets too easy, you should move on. Okay. Dorian Eiton was the one who introduced me to this, but it was from someone else's teaching. It was from a book. I uh, can't remember who. Carol Dweck, maybe of there's an area where you're really comfortable and there's an area where you will, it'll break you apart. And it is mm -hmm. where these things overlap. 
enough comfort to feel like I can do it and enough challenge to make me a little scared that I can't where growth takes place. Yeah. That's why I suggested that when you say, I've got this enough. Yeah. Move to something that's harder. And I don't think that it's wrong to have a plateau of comfort for a while. Say, hey, I'm just enjoying the fact that I can do this. Yeah. But you don't want to stay there if you're going to grow. Yeah, if you want to grow, you don't stay there. If yeah. you're happy where you are, you could stay there. But I think that I would spend a maximum of two weeks on one of my lessons. Even if you're still kind of confused with gesture, move on to the bean. Spend most two weeks on it. Move on to the robo bean. Because sometimes the robo bean will help you understand the bean. The idea is to keep moving so yeah. that one thing builds on another and another rather than to stop. Structure can help you understand gesture. Yeah. So if you're stuck on gesture, you don't want to move on to structure until you totally get structure. You're never going to get it. Yeah. Because these things are all intertwined. There's also an argument to me made to always get the macro view first. If you go into a museum, particularly a big museum, and you just look at everything you're interested in, that can be very enjoyable. But it also can make it so that if you've got any kind of a time limit, you're never going to see the museum because you can get you stop in one room. It's harder to do this, but to go into a museum and get the overview of the whole museum and limit yourself to say, I've got the whole look of this. Now I'm going to go back and I'm going to selectively choose the areas that I will meander in and linger in. And I think it's that way with learning anything. That's why to look at the table of contents of a book before reading the book and maybe even it may, may seem crazy but to spend 10 or 15 minutes just on that table of contents so that you can see whether this author has a train of thought that is really worth submitting to can give you the macro view before you go in there and spend all that time on on the micro view you're getting a map of the forest before you go in and wander yeah and but we, even while you're wandering don't don't camp out for too long mm -hmm. but you designed that figure drawing course so that it does lead from one to another to another to it another does but it's not meant to never revisit it's mm -hmm. more of like here yeah it leads you to the next tool the next exercise that you will be doing forever yeah you're always gonna have to keep thinking about mannequinization and structure they're just fundamental things Writers wow. talk about this in, in crafting a story, that if you're going to write a first draft, write a first draft. Get through it. Mm -hmm. It's in contrast to the person who says, I've been working on my novel for the last two to three years and I've never gotten past the first page because I keep rewriting and rewriting that paragraph to make it perfect. Well, you can't, there's no way you can get a macro view of it when you're stuck in one area. And the process of creating is related to the process of learning that if you want to learn a discipline to get that whole overview early on mm -hmm. then go back how many times have you gone over anatomy like just gone through the whole body and spent several days on each part mm -hmm. how many times have you gone back to relearn stuff oh when you say to relearn it I, like I, yeah for example like the first time you're going through anatomy you're, you're like you're completely clueless and you're just getting mm -hmm. like very very basic things about anatomy yeah and then you probably took a break at some you know for a little bit and then you're like "Ooh, i need to improve my anatomy and then you went back and you relearned a little more 
Yeah. And then you went back again and you learned more. Like how many times do you think you've done that? Oh, like, you mean with me? Yeah, yeah I, I've taught you. it over 40, 40 times. Okay, so you were forced to just keep reading. Re that, that's right, because yeah, that's okay, my job. Right. Yeah, but every time you taught it, you probably got better at it yourself, uh, well, right? Well, not necessarily. Sometimes, but but here here's mm -hmm. the thing though, that in the these last few stages, now uh, we've talked about this a number of times, Bridgman's stuff has me so excited about personalizing the forms that that's what makes me excited about it is that I feel like you got the conscious competence. Wouldn't it be nice if you could then start to invent and try to get something that's personally exciting out of what you could do yeah. with, with the figures. But back to uh, back to the, the he's talking about going through the figure drawing course. Yeah. If you're new to this. Yeah, you figure how long? How did long did you design that course to be done? Um, six months ish. But it, again, it depends. Depends mm -hmm. on how many times you've already gone through it. <laughs> yeah. Depends on your current skill level. You could spend a few days on each on each lesson and mm -hmm. go through it in in a month if you've already been introduced to all these concepts and now you're just kind of using it to level up a little bit. Mm -hmm. It depends. I'm trying to grasp at some kind of ideal way to prescribe the training. There isn't. Why? Why are you trying to do that? Because I'm compelled from internal <laughs> motivations to make it so that this question is well answered. I'm. I very. Were you not happy with my answer? At most I am. I two am. Two weeks on each lesson. Yeah. If, and and, then that, just and move two on. weeks on each lesson adds up to six months. Mm, or a year. Probably more. But about, I, about that's a year. What I'm saying at most. Yeah. Well, in a life drawing class yeah, in a college, more. life drawing yeah. class in a college is what about four months, and so to double that and say I'm going to get this from the online course, I don't know any life drawing course in a college that can have that much dense information as what you've given, and and that's the one you recommend for people to start with. Yes, currently. Yeah. Once my basics course is out, you start with that one, then move on to figure. Okay. But right now, the figure drawing class is my most fundamental class. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So there's there's gesture, bean, robo bean, mannequinization, landmarks, balance, and then shading. You had some anatomy in there too. Landmarks, I think, was the only anatomy. Okay. So what's the takeaway for this? Don't think you have to be done with a lesson. You're not done with it. You're always gonna you're gonna be improving on each one, mm -hmm. even after you're on to the next one. Yeah, think of it as like a cycle that keeps spinning instead of something that's a straight line. And not even necessarily a cycle. It it's not like you're only working on one. While you're working on mannequinization, you're gonna also be working on gesture at the same time because mannequinizing the body involves also the pose. And the pose is heavily tied into the gesture of the pose. Mm -hmm. So you can't mannequinize the body without thinking a little bit of gesture. So you're not completely moving on. You're still going to be improving all the ones before it. Mm -hmm. You're still practicing them. So it's not a cycle where you just do one at a time. You're just adding another ball while you're juggling all these balls. Okay. <laughs> the order that we have in, in the course is gesture, bean, structure, landmarks, robo-bean, mannequinization, balance, exaggeration, proportion, oh, and exaggeration measure. and proportion. I missed yeah. those. So there's like 10. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. Let, let's, uh, let's move on. Okay. To what? 
Another no. voicemail? Oh, actually, that, that was a voicemail. And then shading was down below. I didn't even see that. That's oh, so in like, a separate segment. So geez, okay. Oh, so 11... Mm-hmm. Two weeks on each one would be a total of like 22 weeks, which is about six months total. Okay. That's a, yeah, that's good. Two weeks on each. Yeah. I like that. You got your answer. You got your answer. Oh, Marshall. Another voicemail? No. What? What's your thing? Um, I... <laughs> We've done it. Why do you always want another voicemail? Because I'm not prepared with anything that I've given any thought to for a thing. Let's see. What was... Let, let me... Let me go back over what we talked about. We talked about imposter syndrome. We talked about copying uh, copying and photo bashing. Tracing. Let me tell you what I'm really into almost obsessively. It's lasted for years and it is the effect of wide angle lenses and telephoto lenses. Okay. Wide angle lenses up close yeah telephoto lenses from far back and how they change the way things look to me it is surreally fascinating that you can have the same object and yet it looks (laughs) completely different in a way when you get up close versus far back and yesterday brandon and i shot that that cathedral model Mm-hmm. and did the whole trajectory thing of close up far away and I just never get tired of how interesting that proximity effect that exaggeration of close and far yeah. gets how about you Stan what's uh, your thing since we got I have my flip flops on yeah wow that's a shock <laughs> my thing is sand in my shoes Sand in your shoes is actually the thing that you're going to introduce to this? Yeah. Elaborate. It's so stupid, but I'm going to go with it. I'm interested. Maybe not even sand, a rock in my shoe. Ooh. I was walking to work yeah. several weeks ago. Okay. And I had a little, really tiny pebble in my shoe. And I didn't take it out. Because <laughs> it reminded me of my childhood. Really? Yeah. It did that. It brought it you back like, to oh, having yeah. rocks Remember when you sh- play in the in the dirt or in the sand and you just you get a rock in your shoe and you're like, oh no, and you got to take it out and you uh-huh. you got to pour it out of your shoe. When's the last time you did that? Well, I I actually have done that. Not I wasn't as consciously aware that no, I was reliving my time. When did you take your time. shoe off and have to pour something out of it? Oh, it's been a year or two. Perhaps. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Wow. So you're active outside. Well, I I do walk in the Alicia. <laughs> or you have a hole in wilderness. Yeah. <laughs> um, but nice. this was you were embracing. Yeah. Some it's like oh man, this reminds me of childhood. I'll keep inconvenience it in, there. in the memory of chi- in honor of yeah. your childhood. Eventually, I took it out. I was like, screw this. I'm taking that rock out. Yeah. <laughs> but I I went a full half hour. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I admire you for this. Yeah. And also, when you take a rock out, you could deliberately put rocks in your shoes so that when you well, no, take them out, you feel so relieved from it. Yeah. It's a volunteered <laughs> handicap. <laughs> I was trying to get something profound out of this. Oh, uh, no, there isn't. It's just... Uh, well, there's childhood memory. Yeah, there Rocks you go. in your shoes. Doing it deliberately. I wasn't doing it deliberately. Oh, yeah, that's right. You were embracing it, though. Sure. Okay. Marshall, Thank you for that. I would ask you not to talk into your finger. Oh, you Marshall, mean don't stop lose? talking into your finger. How does it sound when I do that? Oh, yeah. Anything worthwhile? 
Well, hey. Brandon, how did that sound? We're talking about childhood. Was that, that was how cool. is that related yeah. to childhood? Because that's what we did when we were kids. You didn't do that kind of thing where you talk into a cup and, and do the... Oh, with a string connecting two different cups? Yeah, and all sorts of things like that. No. You didn't go around the house Because when you were young, you didn't things. have telephones. We did have telephones when I was young. Yes. Oh, you did. That brings up the whole thing of <laughs> prank calls and how... Somebody you pranked called people oh. on a, with a cup on a string. Well. <laughs> hey, it's Marsha. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. It's Marshall. Okay. Get You get my joke. I'm, I changed your name a little bit. Yeah. yeah. yeah that was my joke. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like an imposter. <laughs> I'd like to affirm you. Well, since most people have already turned this episode off, yeah. we might as well say goodbye. They proved themselves wise and ahead of the curve. <laughs> <laughs> Marshall, what did I just Marshall, say about your finger? Marshall, stop talking oh, yeah, what your you finger. Say? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm... <laughs> I love how he's like, what did I just say? <laughs> I'm reaching competence with a microphone. It's not quite there at conscious competence. You're, yeah. <laughs> You're unconsciously incompetent. What should, and he's trying to get you to consciously be incompetent. Let's not dwell on it. What, what should people write in the comments? When was the last time you had a rock in your shoe? Okay. Or... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It should be something about imposter syndrome. Yeah. Photo bashing, imposter syndrome. Do you think tracing is copying... Do you think photo bashing is cheating? We'll get yeses and nos and, and qualifications. <laughs> That's what we want. We just want a bunch of comments so that our video will get popular. Oh, okay. So it's a yeah. marketing strategy. Oh, this thing. is, okay. yeah. Someone made that comment before. What? That like the whole reason that we're telling people to comment is so that our video will be more popular. Is that true? Well, it's partially I, true, of I course. I didn't know anything about that. I didn't know that it, it makes more up. popular when you when you get more comments. It okay. makes the algorithm right, change. Right, yeah. right. I didn't. Unconsciously competent. Yeah. Unaware of how much you know. Yes. Well, yes. Partially, of course. It's 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 a business. But even if we didn't get any value out of it, I would still like to engage the community with questions because like let's say i don't read all the comments i do read comments but let's say i didn't it's still helpful to all the people participating in the it's, discussion yeah, it creates a little community yeah oh well here I mean, is what what's the what's the harm i don't get it. it with success stories can be inspiring so to know that some people who've done really well have had their doubts might be encouraging to people who struggle with imposter syndrome Sure, yeah, cool. Okay. I like that. And of course. Oh, uh, if you're inclined to give us a five-star rating. <laughs> it improves every week. Yeah, we appreciate it. Nice. Yeah, we're getting there. Yeah, we're getting there. <laughs> In like season five, he's going to be like, you fools better give us five stars. No. <laughs> you're you're going to get there, Marshall. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Maybe in character. <laughs> yeah, in character. In character. Yeah. But right now, you're probably even you, you. You won't even do it in character. You're, no, just, you're too yeah. nervous to do just that. give me give me another couple of years. A couple seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're still in season one. That's right. We are. Yeah. We're new to this. Yeah. Okay, bye, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Oh, <laughs> 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 <laughs>